God, you are indeed holy. Where we're not so much as to just even be at the table with you, God, you have invited us to forever have a place with you. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for the way that you love us, God. We thank you, God, that you have just, regardless of what we have done, you have poured yourself out for the forgiveness of our sins. And so this morning, God, as we talk about reaping what we sow, we pray, God, that you would help us to hear exactly what it is that you want to say to each one of us, because each one of us brings something different in the doors with us this morning here at church. So we pray that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say through 2 Corinthians this morning, God. Give us giving hearts. Give us generous love. We love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, Christ Church. It's good to worship God, isn't it? I show up very early on Sunday mornings, kind of like my pregame, and I got here about 6.30 this morning, and I stepped out of my Jeep, um, and I heard this like loud stamping noise, and out from around the corner of the back of the farmhouse where my office is, this massive eight-point box starts running out at me. And so as a hunter, I'm going, where were you three days ago? Um, and but, but the deer then chased me to my office. It was... Horrifying, actually. Anyway, um, so I figured, you know, God's got something to say this morning because even the deer are trying to stop me, but it's all good. Hey, you know, I want to remind us before we get started that each one of us has fallen and each one of us comes short of the glory of God. And so the story I'm about to tell you, I'm going to ask you not to judge me, all right? For those of you that have children, you can relate to where I'm going to go with this. But I've got these two beautiful children who are right down front here. And it's amazing because when you have children, you know they do everything that you tell them, right? When they're little, they actually listen to you. And they even listen to when you're not trying to teach them. And they start repeating things and doing things that they shouldn't do. My kids, of course, would never do that. But the story I'm telling you tells differently. So we're at the Cranberry Pool several years ago. And my son Brandon and I and my family were at the pool. My daughter and wife are off doing something. I think they're playing in like a sandbox. And my son is swimming, and he comes up to me. I had a long week, and to be honest, I'm just tired. I'm, I'm, and I'm pulling an da- ultimate dad moment. While everybody's off playing, I'm just kind of napping under this umbrella at, at the Cranberry Pool there. My son comes up, and he says, Dad, i got to go. So being the fantastic father that I am, I said, Brandon, you'll be fine. Just rub some dirt on it. You'll be good. He comes back a couple minutes later. No, Dad, i really got to go. Brandon, just... Just go, go in the pool. You're good. Just go, go, do your, go, go, play, go swim. Go do your thing. Oh, he walks away. And so now I'm getting kind of a little frustrated in my heart because I want to rest. I want to relax. But in my heart, I'm kind of thinking to myself, you know what, if he just goes in the pool, he'll do like 99% of the rest of you. Um, and, you know, it'll, it'll, resolve, it'll work itself out. So he comes back to me and he says, Dad, I really got to go. Brandon, just go in the pool. Yeah, terrible parenting. Terrible parenting. Amen. Terrible parenting moment. Remember, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? Come on, now you see where I'm going. So my son in this moment then decides I'm going to be obedient to my father whom I love. And I lay down and I go to sleep and he leaves me alone when I hear whistles and shouting and screaming from the lifeguards and the people as my son has worked his way to the very edge of the pool. And there he is, just being obedient as the day is long. 
going in the pool. Isn't it funny how we're like that? That, I, of course, I taught him that. And so what happens next is interesting because I run over to the side of the pool. Brandon, what are you doing? <laughs> Guess what comes out of his mouth? You told me to, Dad. <laughs> Shush. Don't speak. But he was being obedient. All that to say this. That in Galatians 6, 7, we see an amazing story from Paul that I think we as Christians need to realize how simple of a lesson this is, and we really need to hear what it has to say. Because in Galatians 6, 7 through 8, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked because a man reaps what he sows. And I want to tell you, Christians, we reap what we sow. When you repeatedly tell your child to go in the pool... You are going to reap something from that. And it wasn't good. And as Christians, we are commanded by God to to be obedient to Him. And we're told that in our lives, we are going to plant seeds, regardless of whether they're good seeds or they're bad seeds. Your actions today are going to affect the outcome of years from now. Because if you don't know what sowing is, I'm going to just explain it in case we're not all farmers in here. Sowing is when you actively plant something and it grows and it produces a harvest. And the reaper is the one that comes along and basically picks the fruit. Everybody clear on that? Okay, just so we're on all, all on the same page. God has commanded us as Christians to, to be sowers of life. Here's an interesting concept for you. If you want to grow in your knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ... If you want to get better understanding of the Bible, don't wait around for the next Bible study that fits what you think you should be doing. Open the Word of God. Start reading the book. Because the Bible tells us we're going to reap what we sow. And if you want to understand God more, don't wait for someone to hold your hand. Get into the book. Start reading it. We're commanded by God to plant seeds of life. If you're waiting for that seminary degree or, or maybe God will give me some divine appointment to go and minister the gospel to people, stop waiting. Because as believers, we reap what we sow. And if you get out there and you just begin spreading the love in the name of Jesus amongst the people, guess what? Eventually, somebody is going to come to know the Lord because of your obedience in reaping what you sow. You following me, church? Don't tell your kid to go to the bathroom in the pool. Produce seeds of life. Galatians goes on to say, Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh they will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Are you living for your earthly desires? Or are you living for things eternal. Because I promise you this, when you're having a narrow view of God and you're only living for the pleasures of today, those things will one day pass away. But when you live for the things of God and you give to the things of God, you are investing in eternity and you're living for a fantastic tomorrow. Jim Elliott, a a famous missionary who was ultimately killed by the people he was trying to minister to, said these words, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep 
in order to gain what he cannot lose. God loves you. He loves you as much now as he is ever going to love you. And we are called by God to be farmers of awesomeness. We are called by God to be sowers of things eternal. And that goes from everything from your time, your talents, and your treasures. You're called by God to serve Him with your hands. You're called by God to give financially to the causes that we're going to talk about today that God is doing. You're called to give your time to the Lord. Our sermon series that we're in right now, we're actually talking about the joy of giving. And I promise you this, if you're not experiencing joy when you're giving to God, whether it's putting your tithe check in or taking care of somebody's needs or sponsoring somebody or sponsoring a kid, you're doing it wrong. Because God desires for you to have a heart that longs for the things that He desires and to have His heart. And I promise you this, when you give with that generous heart, when you give with that grateful heart, you're going to reap a harvest of joy. Oftentimes we describe it as when you go on a mission trip, you've heard me say this a million times, you go on a mission trip and I hear people say on the, on the way back, I feel so bad because I got so much more out of that mission trip than I feel like I gave. That's ministry, man. It's awesome. Because you're doing good in the name of the Lord, but as the giver with a genuine heart, you are going to reap a harvest of blessing and of joy. Amen? Anybody ever been in those shoes? Because it's a good place to be. So we are talking about giving right now. And I want to say this. There's a lot of you that have this question. Where in the Bible does it talk about tithing? What is tithing? Well, let me teach us a little bit real quick about what tithing is. Tithing is when we bring back a portion of what God has given to us to Him for the furthering of His kingdom. And that is one of the things that as Christians, we're we're told by God, be obedient in this. Do you know we're not actually commanded like you have to do this or the fires of hell are going to swallow you? God doesn't say it like that. He says, I want you to participate in what I'm doing by giving, by taking care of one another's needs. People have asked me the question, well, where in Scripture does it say anything about me tithing 10%? Well, if you have a notebook and paper and pen or whatever, I want you to write this down because as a believer, this will be a question that you get from somebody. And the answer to that question is found in the book of Leviticus, chapter 27, verse 30. Because you see, what's happening is the nation of Israel is told to bring a tithe. They're told to bring the the product of their first fruits. In this day and age back then, they didn't really have the money that we have today. And so the way that they did their business was through cattle. It was through grain. It was through bartering. It was just through a different means. And so here we see um, something being told to the church here that's very interesting. In Leviticus 27.30, it says, "...a tithe of everything from the land." whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It all belongs to Him. It is holy to the Lord. And if a man redeems any of his tithe, he must add a fifth of the value to it. The entire tithe of the herd and the flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the Lord. So you ask the question of where do we get that 10% number from when we say, hey, if you're going to look for something to tithe, tithe 10%. It's right there. Every tenth cow that they brought was an offering to God. And this is what we refer to as the Old Testament model of giving. 
And so they brought their, their, their cows, their sheep and whatever, and they offered it up to God to use at the temple. And these things were used for the feeding of God's people, for the provisions of, of those doing the work. It was, it was utilized to go out and to do ministry. Pretty cool, right? It's actually in there. So then I encounter these people who will say, well, okay, that's Old Testament. That's what the Old Testament says about tithing. But nowhere in the New Testament does it talk about tithing. Does it talk about bringing a gift? Well, see, that's wrong. Because actually in the New Testament, we see a very, very different story. Because Jesus ups the ante when it comes to giving. If you have your Bibles, you want to write this one down as well. Matthew 19, 21. Jesus has just encountered a rich young man. And this guy says, Jesus, I am super Christian. I do everything you say. I follow all the rules. I don't dance. I don't do this. I don't play cards. I'm real good. And Jesus says, but that's, that's, you're, you're totally missing the point. He's like, well, then what do I got to do to get into the kingdom of heaven? What do I have to do to be fantastic? And this is what Jesus says to him. Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will make treasures in heaven and follow me. Jesus tells this guy, uh-uh, you want to be perfect, give everything away. So when we say, make the mistake of saying there's no talk of tithing in the New Testament, we're wrong because Jesus says it's all God's. You should all give it back to Him anyway. Now listen to me. As we study the Scriptures more and as we've been talking the past two weeks, God's not calling you all to go out right now to sell everything that you have and to give it to the poor. He's not doing that for all of you. But there may be some of you in this room that God is calling to give something. He's, he's put it on your heart to do something. And I'm going to tell you, you need to be obedient to that. Because if God stirs your heart in such a way that He wants you to give in a certain way, and you can give knowing that God is going to do something amazing, you're going to receive a blessing far beyond anything that you could ever imagine. If we, you don't believe me, it's one of the few things in Scripture that, that God says, test me on. It's the only thing, in fact. You've heard people say this before, that the Bible says, test me in this and I will prove it true. Well, I'm going to show you where it says that because a lot of us don't know where that's actually found in Scripture, but you all will be able to say that you do. The Bible does say, God does say to us, test me in the giving and I will bless your socks off. He says that. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to the book of Malachi. Malachi, for some of you. The Italian prophet. That's <laughs> so cheesy. Malachi 3 is where we're going to be. And it says these words. He's actually talking to Israel and kind of rebuking them because they're not tithing. They're not giving the way that they should. And God says, what are you trying to do? Rob me? I don't need your money. Everybody understand. God does not need our money today, right? Do you all understand that? That God had created the world without our financing. You get that? That he could do it again. He doesn't need our gift. He doesn't need our money. But He uses those things as a way for us to participate in ministry. You're tracking with me this morning. He says, do it. And, and when you do that with a grateful heart and with the right attitude, I will bless your socks off. He says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This is 310. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Socks off right there. Here's the deal. There's a lot of false teachers today that will take something like that and they will say this to you. 
If you just are good enough, if you just try harder, if you just send enough money to this thing, God will give you that Lamborghini that you have wanted for years. Listen to me. That is false teaching and from the pits of hell. Because what happens is, is we have this broken concept of what a blessing is. And all the, a lot of times in our lives, and I do this in my life, I think, oh Lord, I would really like for that eight-point buck to come walking in front of me when I'm in a tree stand. You don't understand how to bless me, Lord. But think about what I just did there. We tell God what's best for our blessing. And we actually, most of the time, have no idea what we really need to be blessed. And so when our heart changes, when we begin to focus on the things of God, and when we truly give in such a way that that we're giving to what God wants, we will be blessed. But it's not going to be in the earthly sense. You're not going to become a millionaire overnight as some preachers are actually preaching this morning. But you will be blessed in the joy of the harvest of the Word of God and of what God is doing. Because you see, when your heart changes and you begin to follow Jesus Christ, before you follow Jesus Christ, giving makes no sense. It just doesn't. Because we're commanded two things. We're commanded to love God and love others. And by loving God and loving others, we give. We give of our time. We give of our talent. We give of our treasures. And unless you have the understanding of why, Christ, why we do that, we do that because Christ first died for us. Because we're being obedient to the Word of God in our giving. It's not because God needs our money. It's not because it makes Him love us anymore. He loves you as much now as He ever will. This is just a way that we get to be a part of the ministry. And so when we have that heart change, it's interesting because once we cared about the Lamborghini, but now we care about the things that God cares about. And when we have that attitude in our giving, God will give you the desires of your heart. They're just going to look very different than what some of us may think right now. Does that make sense? He will bless your socks off. I promise you that. In our scripture passage this morning, if you remember, Paul is working with the Corinthian church right now. They've kind of had this little finagle going on. If you weren't here the past few weeks, the relationship between Paul and the Corinthian church was was kind of fractured over some false teaching. And now Paul finds himself following up with them because they made a promise to give to the church in Jerusalem. They're going to support the church in Jerusalem. And they fell behind in that giving. So Paul's now challenging them. And he says, hey, you need to give. You need to give with a grateful heart and not with a bad attitude. And so that's kind of where we pick up our sermon this morning in 2 Corinthians 9. He says this, in verse 6, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now, I don't know a single pastor in the world that can read that scripture without going on a rabbit trail, so here we go. Think about this. The Word of God just told us to sow. Someone's going to sow sparingly. They're going to reap sparingly. The very next verse says this, Go ahead and bring that up for me. And each man should give what he has decided to give. Never mind, that's not the verse I was looking for. Um, Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Think about that. Think about the story that Jesus told us in the book of Mark about the guy who was spreading the seeds on the road. It said he would grab the seed and he would just throw it everywhere. And some of the seed would land in the thorns. Some of it would land on the dry ground. Some of it would land in the good soil. Some of it would land on the bad soil. But what would happen is, is as much seed as this guy was throwing out, once in a while, something would take hold. And, and there would be a beautiful 
fruit that would be produced. And and I want to tell you this. As Christians, we're called by God to be ridiculously generous with our flinging of seed. That we're called by God to just throw it out there. And that's not just with our money. It's also with the way that we talk about Jesus Christ. The more you talk about Jesus in your life, the more you live for Christ, the more fruit that you're going to produce. Because if you generously sow, you just kind of throw it out there. Why are you so happy all the time? I don't know. God just blessed me. Why did God bless you? I don't know. I love Jesus. It's as simple as having conversations all the time. Do people identify you as who you say you are as a Christian? Because if we're truly obedient to God, we should be busy about talking about Jesus as much as possible. And guess what's going to happen? Once in a while, because we're throwing all that seed out there, some people aren't going to hear it. Some people are going to be angry about it. Some people are going to be annoyed. But once in a while, there's going to be one person who's going to hear what you have to say, and they're going to say, I'm found. Can you please lead me to this, this Jesus that you're talking about? And as Christians, we, we sit with our mouths closed way too much. As Christians, we oftentimes will sit with our hands, not serving the needy. We need to be serving, not because we have to, not because it makes God love us anymore, but because we get to. Because we get to be a part of what God's doing. And if we sow generously in our time, our talents, and our treasures, God will bless it, and He will use it for the furthering of His kingdom. Not so we can have some fancy building and all sit in here and hide, but so that we can have a place to bring people to do ministry, so that we can have a place to train and equip and send people out to scatter more seed. Nothing about that, that generous scattering is very organized, is it? It's just farmers doing their thing. Get out there and scatter the seeds, folks. It continues on to say this in verse 7, that each man should give what he has decided in his own heart to give. The Old Testament model that we've adopted as churches is just to give folks a target of what to give. It's that 10%. God wants you to give. But the reality of it is, is that is your business with God. That according to what we just read in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, how much you give is your issue with God. And I'm going to tell you this as we read a couple of weeks ago. To whom God gives much, He requires much. And to whom He gives little, He requires little. God wants you to give, but He wants you to give out of the gratefulness and sincerity of your heart. The amount is not the big issue for God. It's the way that you give the gift. For verse 7 closes with this. For God loves a cheerful giver. Are you a cheerful giver? Of your time? Of your talents? Of your treasures? Do you reluctantly serve in the cafe? Do you reluctantly put your tithe in the offering plate? Or is it something you know that when you let go of that money that's already God's anyways, that something amazing is going to happen? Do you believe that? I hope so. Continues on in verse 8 to say this. And God is able to make all grace bound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad His gift to the poor, and His righteousness will endure forever. Keep scattering those seeds, folks. 
Now he who supplies seed to the sower and the bread for food will also supply and increase your store and seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. When we give of ourselves and we speak about Jesus Christ, God will give you the words. And until you step out in faith and do that, I can't explain it any other than that. I've been there. Some of you have been there. And you can amen that. When you speak about God, for God, with that beautiful heart, He is the Lord who will provide for you the words. When you give financially to what God is doing, and you're being faithful to what you and God have agreed upon, and sometimes that may even hurt, I promise you this, God will provide for you. He will show up in amazing ways. And I heard some great stories from some of you this past week that how God is providing because you did test Him in it. God showed up for you. When you give of your time and your energies, God will give you the strength that you need to serve faithfully. For God loves a cheerful heart. It says in verse 11 that you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God loves the generous heart. God loves for us to pursue Him and to grow in Him. And when we commit ourselves to Him and say, I'm committed to this cause, we're committing to taking care of others. We're ta- committed to, to making sure that the gospel will continue on. And you have a responsibility to make sure of that as part of the body of God by giving time, talent, and treasure. Not individually. We're commanded to give of all three. And so if you're giving a fantastic money offering each week, but you're not invested in the church with your time or or your talents, shame on you. If you're invested with your time and 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 your talents and you're not giving your treasure, shame on you. You're missing out on some awesome blessings that God wants to give to you. How much you give is between you and God. But you need to be involved in giving to what God is doing in this place. Amen? Father, we love you and we thank you. We pray now, Lord, that we would not simply be a church of people sitting by watching what others are doing for you, God. But as you've invited us onto the playing field, you you say, get in the game. Give. Follow me, love me. Give us hearts that genuinely love you. Because in order for us to be a proper giver, we have to be truly healthy people living. We need to be living in your light. We need to be living in your grace and your mercies, God. And you're stirring in a lot of our hearts and a lot of our souls, but we fight and resist you, God. So where we are resisting you, Lord, we pray that you would convict our hearts so much that we can no longer... Maybe there's people in here this morning that don't have a relationship with you and can't understand why in the world they would give to something. We pray, Lord, that you would break their heart and help them to understand that people give because we love them. We want them to know about the freedom that is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so, God, we thank you for this morning. Help us to be faithful for all that is yours that you've entrusted us with. Amen.